I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like every single day I have another song stuck in my head. Like, I just can't get it out of my head. No matter what I do, it just keeps coming back. And then random times in conversation, somebody will say one word out of that song. And it will just pop right back into my head. And I'm going right to the beat again. It's without fail every single day. I feel like, uh, anybody seen The Office? Anybody seen The Office? I feel like I'm as annoying as Andy Bernard is sometimes. Uh, just bursting into song in the middle of conversation. But it, that's the way my brain works. I'm, I'm a little strange. I'll go ahead and admit that. Uh, those of you who were on the beach retreat that I did a couple years back, y'all already know that. Uh, but I just want to, uh, since I, I, I'm talking about songs that get stuck in your head, I want to try to get a few songs stuck in your head. Uh, these are just a few of the, I, I, I Google searched the top uh, songs that get stuck in your head, and these are uh, four of the top 36. I don't know why they came up with 36, but these were some of them. Let's see. One to go forward. Anybody? But I would walk. No, nobody? I'm the only one. Okay. How about any Fresh Prince of Bel Air fans out there? In West Philadelphia, born and raised. Just a small town girl living in a lonely world. And since I'm a Disney person, I've got to throw in something. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. Transition slide. Did it, Kyle? I want to ask you, if you listen to the words of the song that we just sang. I was given the topic of two songs, Jesus Loves Me and In Christ Alone. And I'm going to focus on, for the most part, In Christ Alone tonight. And it's such a beautiful song. A song that, that, that should be playing in our head over and over and over again, just like these, these secular songs do uh, from time to time. It should be something that should constantly be in the forefront of our minds. And that, that's something hopefully I'll point out to you as we go through this lesson. In Christ alone. It's been called, uh, some people have called it, uh, the amazing grace to the new generation. That's not to, to, to set aside Amazing Grace. It's a beautiful, timeless song, but this song has a lot, of, a lot of beautiful parts to it as well, and it's a very, very beautiful song. So we're just going to walk through it, and I pray that, that I don't get in the way of this lesson too much, get in the way of the words of, of the song and of the scripture that I'm going to be pointing out to you tonight, and, and I hope that you are able to, to take something away as I've been able to through my study uh, for this lesson here. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. It's pretty evident once you start looking at the Bible, once you start looking at different stories uh, of Jesus throughout his ministry, you see that one resounding truth comes up time and time again. God and Jesus love. Love is something that, that, that goes from cover to cover of this book that we, that we carry around, that we take for granted, that, that, that we just toss on a, on a bookshelf in our house, houses and never touch again. Love reigns through every single page of this book. And it's there waiting for you to look at it. Karl Barth, he's a theologian. There we go. I've got to find a sweet, sweet spot on this remote. Karl Barth is a, is a theologian. He lived from 
1886 to 1968. I didn't remember that. Uh, 18... 86 to 1968, he was was in a class one day uh, towards the end of his life in 1962, and one of his students asked him, he said, now I want you to just, off the top of your head, I want you to sit there and tell me a a summarization of all that you've studied and all of the books that you've written. I want you to summarize it down for me and to put it into, into just a few sentences, if you can. He sat there for a minute, and he smiled, and he said, I'm reminded of a song that that my mother used to sing to me whenever I was a child. And he said, the summarization of all of it is, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And it's something that that really, uh, it took all those students, uh, it took them aback, as you can imagine, they were studying to become these these great theologians, these scholars, uh, biblical scholars. They were studying to to be the the big minds uh, in the Christian world, but they were reminded of a song that we sing from the time that we can talk. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And, I, and my first point, we've got four points tonight, and then the, the evening is yours. Four points tonight. The first one is this. Love gives hope to the hopeless. Love, and any time you see love appear on this slideshow, you can replace uh, that, that word with Jesus. Jesus gives hope to the hopeless. Open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 is where we're going to start tonight. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. Go ahead and, and, and grab that and hold on to it for a second. I want you to imagine, though, with me. Don't get ahead of me. Don't cheat. Don't read the story. I want you to imagine you're in ancient times. You're in the first century. You're living in, in, in name of city, Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, you're cast out of society. All of a sudden, you're not allowed to see your family anymore. All of a sudden, you're not allowed to hug your kids. All of a sudden, you're not allowed for children. You're not allowed to go to your mother whenever you get a boo-boo. You're not allowed to do any of this. You're cast out, and you're forced to live in a tent society outside of the city walls. I want you to imagine that the only looks that you get are those of fear, disgust, and ridicule. The only words spoken to you are, are words of, of hate. The only, the only touch you feel are the, 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 is the dirt and the rocks that people kick your way as you walk through. And as you go through, you have to tell everybody, get away from me. Get away from me. You can't touch me. I want you to imagine that this has been your life. No contact with people. And I want you to put yourself in this man's shoes. Picking up in verse 40, Mark chapter 1. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling and said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And uh, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer uh, for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But as you can imagine, this man who has had nothing but hopelessness and hopelessness and and tragedy thrown his way. He went out and began to talk freely about it. 
and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was, uh, but, but was out in a desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. As you can imagine, whenever this hopeless man had the hope of Jesus heal him, everybody found out because he couldn't help but to go and to show and to tell the entire world of what Christ had done to him. Jesus completely changed this man's life. I'm not good at slideshows. I'm going to go ahead and admit that if you haven't figured that one out already. Uh, I'm not good at them. So trying to get out of my comfort zone a little bit for tonight, so, so bear with me. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save. Doesn't make sense. Why on earth would God come down and, and, and present himself to man in the form of a baby? A baby who was going to be born to a carpenter, uh, carpenter family and he was going to grow up and he was going to live in this little, little bitty city that nobody really has ever heard of. Why would he come down in that way? Ephesians 1, or Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, rather, uh, Paul is urging us to be uh, imitators of God and imitators of Christ. And this is what he has to say about, he briefly talks, touches on the reason why Christ came. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. That's your answer right there. Why on earth would God come down out of heaven? Because of love. Because of love. Gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Number two, we're trucking right along through this. Love gives up what it has. Love gives up what it has. Flip over, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 4. It says, Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Why on earth would he come down? Why on earth would he give himself up? For us, in verse six it says he didn't. Uh, he didn't. Let me make sure I don't get this wrong. Who uh, though in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't hold on. And essentially, is what that's saying is he didn't hold on to his deityness. Uh, that's a real fancy word for you that I just came up with. His deityness. He didn't hold on to. He could have held that. He could have stayed there and and just said, "Well, I'm God. You're not. So uh, work things out there on your own." But he didn't hold on to that. He came down to this earth because of love. Because of love, Jesus gave up what he had in heaven to come down to this earth. Till on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I'll live picking up in verse 7 but emptied himself well let's go back to verse 6 who though was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men 
Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Back to Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 2. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Why on earth would Jesus come down to earth? Not only to come down to earth out of heaven, he, he didn't come in some, on a grand carpet with all the, all the lights and paparazzi. He, he came down and he, was, he lived a pretty humble life growing up. Why on earth would he come down? Because he had to. That's why. He had to come down. He had to be that fragrant offering and sacrifice to God on our behalf. He had to do that. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, and it, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities, your sins, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. That is a pitiful, hopeless state that we find ourselves in. But, but don't worry, that's not the end of the story. <laughs> he came down, remember? He came to earth. He came out of heaven. He came to be that fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And in 1 John 3, uh, verses 4 and 5, it says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also uh, practices lawlessness, for sin is lawlessness. You know that He appeared in order to take away sins. And in Him there is no sin. In Him, there is no sin. I may have gotten by myself. Yeah, I did. So there in the ground, His body lay. He had to be that sacrifice for us on the cross, that, that fragrant offering and sacrifice. He had to bear our sins on the cross of Calvary. There, and after that, He was laid in the ground. And there in the ground, His body lay, light of the world by darkness, by our sins, Slain. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Starting in verse 17, it says, And if Christ had not been raised, for your, uh, if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people are to be most pitied. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. We know that that's not the end of the story. We know that he wasn't just taken down off that cross, laid in the, laid in the tomb, and that's the end of it. Because if that was the end of it, then we have no hope. And remember I said, love gives hope to the hopeless. Love gives hope to the hopeless. We know that that's not the end of the story. Then boasting forth in glorious day, light of the world by darkness slain. Whoop, messed up. Jumped through. Uh, yeah, there in the ground his body lay, rather. Light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. So number three, love gives life to the lifeless. 
Love gives life to the lifeless. Picking up in verse 20 here in, in 1 Corinthians 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man uh, came death, by a man also the resurrection of the dead. For in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Romans 6, 23, I'm sure we all know this. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. God gives life to the lifeless. Everybody loves a good underdog story, right? Everybody, I've, got some, I've got my Star Wars socks on tonight. I wear them just about every day. I'm a nerd. Everybody loves a good story of a, of a farmer from Tatooine going to take on the big, dark, evil empire. And just when all hope seems lost, he saves the day. Everybody loves that story, right? Well, I'm here to tell you that this story that we're talking about is no underdog story. Well, it kind of is. It's no underdog story for Jesus. It's it's an underdog story for us. Romans 6.23 again, it says, For the wages of sin is death. We deserve death. We, without Christ, are dead. We have no hope. We have no life. But the free gift of God is eternal, is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So let's start bringing this thing home. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here, in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Number four. Love gives directions to those that follow. Love gives direction for us if we truly follow him. Christ gives direction to us if we truly follow him. There's a, a, another theologian that I'm going to uh, briefly talk about. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he's given us a mean old stare right there. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, I was reading a book called the, the Cost of Discipleship that he wrote. He's a really neat guy. Uh, Connor and I were talking about him a little bit before, uh, before service tonight. He actually uh, was put to death, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for trying to... Uh, forward these plans to assassinate Adolf Hitler, so I thought that was kind of interesting for you World War II bus. But he wrote a book, a really really neat book. It's not one that you need to go uh, speed read because it's got a lot of big words in there. Uh, so I tried to break down some of these words for, for myself. Uh, but I've got a quote that's really, really neat. In his first chapter, he talks about costly grace versus cheap grace. And it's the grace that we try to talk about versus what grace actually looks like. He says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring, requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, the release of guilt or absolution, as he puts it, without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, and grace without Jesus Christ. But he says this, 
Costly grace is the treasure hidden in a field for a sake of it. The man will gladly go and sell all that he has. It is a pearl of great price uh, by which uh, the merchant will sell all of his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Christ in which the disciple leaves his nets behind and follows his Savior. In Christ alone... It's a beautiful song. In Christ Alone is a song that, that, I mean, if you want to know how to share the gospel with your friends, for those of you in in high school, middle school, In Christ Alone is a great place to start. It will point you in the right direction. In Christ Alone is a beautiful story. But it doesn't mean anything. This love that was given to us doesn't mean anything if we don't do anything with it. It doesn't mean anything if we don't do anything with it. And Christ alone is a song and it's a story that requires action. It's a song that must, like I talked about at the beginning, it's a song that must be playing in our head nonstop. It's a song that, must, uh, that everybody around us has to know about because we just can't get the words out, uh, out of our head. It's a song that we should be bringing into to day-to-day conversation, working it in there uh, with our friends and family. And it's all about a Savior whose decisions must reflect the love that he has given to us. Romans 6, we're going to be in uh, Romans 6, 16. Romans 6, verse 16, if I can find it. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now, I don't, know, I don't know what's been going on in your life. There's a lot of you in here, and I'm an introvert, so I'm probably not going to get to know what's going on in a lot of your lives. But there's a response that has to be made of each of us. Every single one of us, we hear this story and we can't just leave it where it is. We hear this song, we sing the words of the song, and they can't just be words that come out of our mouth. They can't just, we can't just mindlessly sing these words and them not mean anything to us. They have to change us. Peter on the day of Pentecost was talking to a group of people who for the first time realized just what they had done. They realized that they were the ones who nailed Christ to the cross just like we have. Our sins have nailed Christ to that cross. And they asked him, or he said to them, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. It says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, all who are in Midway, uh, Midway Church Christ Auditorium in Jasper, Alabama, for all of them as well. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. We're about to offer an invitation. We're about to, to, to 
sing a song and, and we're going to ask those if you need prayers, if you need uh, things in your lives to change. We're going to ask you to come forward so that we can help you with those. We're going to ask you if you can come forward so that we can pray with you. But ultimately, once we, once we close up shop here tonight and all the lights go out, it doesn't matter if you came forward or not. It matters if you've decided to follow after Christ. If you've decided to make Him the Lord of your life and, and put Him on in baptism, that's what matters. And what matters is if you, make, if you, if you come saying you, make the, you need to make these changes in your life, what matters is that you go out from these walls and you make the changes you need to make. I don't know what it is that you're struggling with right now, but there's somebody in this auditorium who's struggling with the same thing, I guarantee it. There's quite a few people in here. You're not alone. And I can tell you one thing. If there's not anybody in this auditorium who can, who can sympathize and, and sit there with you and help you through it, we have a loving Savior who would love to hear your prayers, who would love to hear our prayers. If you need anything tonight, please come as we stand and as we sing.